Good morning, good morning, good morning. How you guys doing, huh? We're good? Hey, listen, let's put our hands together for our creative team and our production team, man. They do such a good job, so we, we appreciate you guys and all of our dream team. You guys are my heroes. I love all of you. And, and uh, the dream team is anyone that serves at TC, whether it's an usher, creative team member, production, worship, man, TC kids. Let's give it up for our kids ministry in the back, man. We... We love you guys. They're so awesome and passionate about making sure that your kids get the gospel in such a powerful way, but also in a way that they can hear it. You know what I mean? And so, man, that's so awesome. And uh, talking about a creative team, uh, man, I notice when I can look out in the congregation and I can see like who grew up in church, like in a, in a very uh, casual, like I'm going to use the word religious environment. People that didn't grow up, because y'all, like, some of y'all grew up in the club scene. Where y'all, like, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Like, when that track came on, I saw some of y'all, like, oh, oh, this is what we're doing, huh? Like, but then the rest of y'all that grew up in the white church, y'all were doing one of these numbers the whole time the song was playing. Y'all see this? Camera, get it. Y'all see this? Show it to them. Y'all were going, by God, Susan, this song is catchy, you know? So, anyways, all that to say. Two different, two different fields, but it's good to be in the I Love My City series. John and our creative team, you guys are awesome. Kyle Production, one more time, put a hand together for those guys. We love all of you. If you're watching this online, you really like them because they make it possible for you to see us, okay? But we're in the I Love My City series, and we're going to jump straight in today to the know-how. Start your neighbor say the know-how. So just to kind of catch you up, if you weren't here last week, last week we talked about the necessity of taking the gospel to the world, right? And so we, we gave you all the reasons why last week. We, maybe, we even gave you a little reason how. And how many of you guys remember the Wahlburger stories last week where I talked about the burger? And if you weren't here, I'll go ahead and give you the, the snippet of it. The long and short is that uh, I went to a burger joint with my wife. It's called the Wahlburgers out in Foley. And, and I got my burger and she got hers. But hers was so good. Like it was the turkey burger. That, but usually I'm not a big fan of turkey burgers. So slow your roll. I saw judgment on your face right then. Like, mm-mm, no. It was, a, it was a Thanksgiving burger that had turkey and then it had like dressing on it. Like with, had the crispy bits of the dressing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I can see your faces, right? Like, and then it had a cranberry sauce on it. So it was sweet and salty. It was so good. And see how some of y'all are right now? Some of y'all going, my God, can we leave right now and go get some lunch? That's what some of y'all are thinking. And, and what I was telling everyone last week was this, that when we talk about Jesus, it shouldn't be this turn or burn conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like turn or burn, you're all going to go to hell. Like, I don't think we need to do that. I think what we need to do is talk about Jesus the same way we would talk about anything else great that we've had. And the way I was talking about this burger, I was talking about how good it was to me. And I was describing it in a way that everyone else in the room thought to themselves, man, I think I'd really like to try that. That should be how we talk about Jesus. We shouldn't threaten people with the gospel. We should talk about what it is to us and let them want it on their own. All right. And so... So we talked a little bit about how last week, but we want to talk even more about how this week. And so we're going to talk about the know-how. Turn to your neighbor and say the know-how. Now, if you're sitting next to more than one person, turn to the person on the other side of you that you just neglected, right? You gave them the cold shoulder and tell them the know-how. All right. So let's jump straight into what we have today. Matthew 4, 18 through 19. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Goes on to say that then he said to them, Follow me, 
and I will make you. And what we talked about last week is what is it that Jesus desires to make us? Does he plan to make us better Christians? Does he plan to does he plan to make us better churchgoers? Does he plan to make us read our Bible more? Does he plan to make us pray more? Does he plan, what, what is it that he plans to do in our life? And I think the answer is yes to all of those questions, but that's not the answer that Jesus came to do. If, you, if we keep going, it says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Which means that Jesus' desire with the disciples and God's desire for our life today, right now, it's not that we would just be better churchgoers, it's that we would be fishers of men, that we would be the ones that carry the gospel, we carry this good news, we carry this hope to a world that needs it so that we can introduce them to the same Jesus that transformed our life. And so our desire is that we would become fishers of men. Matter of fact, Proverbs 11.30 puts it like this. They say, the fruit of a righteous person is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is, say this word with me, wise. He who wins souls is wise. Colossians 4 has something to say about it too. It says, be, say this word, wise in the way that you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity, right? Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Outsiders, outsiders talking about non-believers, those that are not, that haven't put their faith in him yet. So if we're going to be wise towards how we entertain, like how many guys have ever seen, how many of y'all have seen the Turner Burn people? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're on the street corner, like Turner Burn. I don't know why I describe them as rednecks every time I do it, but that's just the voice that's in my head when I picture them. Anyway, so a buddy of mine, we were at McGuire's one time eating uh, way too much food. And while we were in line, because it doesn't matter if you go to McGuire's at 11 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock at night, it's a 40-hour wait. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you've been there. I don't know what's going on in there, but we were there waiting in line. A few of my buddies are with us, and there's a family across the street. Tommy was with us. We, we were in line. There's a, a family across the street, and it was one of the Turner Burn guys holding the Bible, screaming at all of us, you're all going to hell, repent, like the whole thing. And so my buddy Joe was like, yo, I got an idea. I'll be right back. Now, Joe was that friend that if he ever said, I got an idea, I'll be right back, stop him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, don't, whatever it is, it's not a good idea. Okay, now all y'all know one of those in your life right now. I got an idea. No, it's not worth it. I'm not getting arrested for you, okay? Joe takes off, goes to his car, and about five minutes later, we're like, yo, where, where is he at? Like, I don't even know. Like, all of a sudden, we see Joe walking towards the guy on the other side of the street. Panic sets into our heart, okay? I'm not going to lie to you. What is Joe about to do? And he walks over to him and he takes his sign out. It says, I'm with stupid. And it has an arrow pointed on it. And he just stand next to the guy the whole time he was screaming. <laughs> it was hilarious. Why? Because that's not how we should act towards outsiders. Okay, so all that to say is, how many guys have experienced, if you drive through Pensacola, you've had someone scream at your car window that you're going to hell, right? Like they're, they're kind of everywhere. Maybe you're outside Pensacola. You haven't experienced that yet. Come to the Bible Belt. It'll happen, I promise, right? I'm like, first of all, I'm saved. You need to go somewhere with that, you know? Number two, why are you so angry? Like, you need some joy of Jesus, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, so all that to say is, I don't know that that's the most effective way to tell people about Jesus. I would rather tell them about how good Jesus has been to me and let them want it for themselves rather than convince them of how bad it's gonna be without him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
So we should be wise in how we have conversations with unsaved people. Now, hell is a necessary part of the conversation, but let's get them in the door first before we start going to that route. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So all that to say, we need to be wise towards outsiders. It keeps on going. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. All right? Seasoned with salt so we know how to answer everyone. So we want to talk about three areas of your walk or three areas of the mission that we want to help you capitalize on today. All right. So last week we talked about why we need to fish. And if you didn't catch that, go download our podcast. You can catch us anywhere we have podcasts or you can go watch us uh, the live. You can watch the video online. You can do all that stuff. But uh, last week we talked about why. Today we want to talk about how. So during your neighbor say how. Let's do it. All right. The first thing that we want to capitalize on with wisdom is our moment. Our moment. Every person you come in contact with, God has created an intersection in your life for you to engage them that day. So whether you're in Lowe's, whether you're in Walmart, whether you're getting gas, we need to be looking for people whether you're at work, whether you're in your neighborhood, whether someone's walking, you need to be looking for people that you can talk to about Jesus. Why? Because God is destined us. See, the Bible says that he desires that no one would perish, which means he's going to put us in front of people. Why? The Jesus that people need is the Jesus that you have. So he's going to put you because you have Jesus in front of people because they need Jesus. The problem is, is many of us, and I say us because I'm guilty of this too, we walk around in life with blinders on because we're more concerned about our agenda than we are lost people. Can we be honest and say all of us are guilty of that sometimes, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You plan to leave early so that you could get to work on time, but then, right, the dog tripped you and you had to kick it into the couch. You're screaming at your spouse. Everything's going wrong. Coffee pot didn't turn on. The water's brown. You couldn't take a shower. Your alarm clock, you hit snooze four times instead of three. You forgot. But what, like, how many of y'all know life can get crazy sometimes? And what happens is we become so concerned about what we're trying to accomplish that we lose track of what God wants to accomplish through us. So we have to learn to capitalize on our moment. Psalms 37 says this. It says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man or a righteous man, they're ordered by the Lord. The places that you go, where you go in your life are ordered by the Lord. Proverbs 69 says it like this. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And even going back to that conversation that we just had a second ago, where, where how many guys have, have had a plan? You, you, today I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And how many of y'all know around the first this, everything goes nuts, don't it? Especially if you got kids, right? Or if you got pets, or if you in, engage with people at all, because people are crazy out there, especially ones that can't drive. Pensacola, Florida, everyone needs to take the driver's license test like once every six months, because no one can drive around here. But anyway, so, like, why? Because life gets out of control sometimes and we become more focused on what we're trying to do. But the thing is, the Bible says that he orders our steps. We have a plan, but he orders our steps. I know it's, been, it's happened to me before where I've had the intention of leaving my house at a certain time because I wanted to give myself some margin, right? So leave a little earlier, but then something happens and I don't leave on time. And I end up at a gas station pumping gas next to someone who's sitting in their car and they're crying. 
And they're crying because maybe their card got declined or, or maybe something's going on in their life. And it gives me an opportunity to minister to them with the gospel. But if I had left at the time that I planned on leaving, I wouldn't be there in that moment to talk to them about the hope that Jesus can bring. And so the hope that Jesus brings is offered to them because the Lord took me out of my plan and he ordered my steps. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Sometimes we need to accept what the day has dealt us so that the Lord can order our steps to interact with people who he's destined us to cross paths with. We have to look for every opportunity, every moment to engage people with the gospel. So how do we do this? There's a few ways we can do this. Number one, we want to be intentional in every relationship. Be intentional in every relationship. So when we're intentional, right, every person we come in contact with, every person we work with, the person in the cubicle next to you, your neighbor that lives in the house next to you, right, the one that plays loud music at 1130 at night and you want to knock the fence down and go take the radio from them. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So we need to be intentional about every relationship because every relationship is put in our life that we could impact them with the hope of Jesus. Here's what I think. Every person in your life should be an opportunity to introduce someone to Jesus or an opportunity for you to be encouraged in Jesus. In other words, every person in my life is either an encouragement for me to keep doing what I'm doing or they're an opportunity for me to introduce them to Jesus. But how many of us know we got some people in our life, they're a discouragement from our purpose. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all got some people in their life, they drag you down more than they lift you up? Come on. You need to cut them crazies loose from your life. I'm letting you know right now. Especially if they're saved already. Listen, can, can I tell you something? You don't owe anybody your joy. Some of us have people in our life that they rob us from our joy and our purpose and our peace. Just because they're miserable, they want to make us miserable too. Okay, so the rest of y'all good, huh? No, that's not, like, you need to be ready. Tell them, if they call you, tell them, Pastor Brad said to hang up and just hang up the phone. And if they want your number, Justin, what's your phone number? No, I'm just kidding. Like, why? Because, why? Because we need to look for opportunities to either be encouraged to continue our path or encourage someone else to step into theirs, right? Every day we have the opportunity for life or death. Let's choose life. Come on, somebody. Y'all with me? So we be intentional about every relationship. Number two, find their spiritual spot. Find their spiritual spot. So I love playing basketball. Basketball is one of the ways that I interact with people. I know some of y'all look at me like, uh-huh, don't judge me, okay? Listen, you don't want to see me on a basketball. Anyway, that's not the point. I play basketball a lot. One of the ways that I engage people with the gospel is on the basketball court. Now, not necessarily, we're not like, I'm not hitting a three and talking about Jesus. That's not the way it works. We'll play together. And what happens is inevitably when you're having conversations with people, they ask you what you do for a living. Now, as pastors, you have to decide in that moment if you're going to lie or not. All right. So like, what do you do? It's like, mm, I'm a salesman. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm a pastor. As soon as people find out you're a pastor, like their demeanor changes. You know what I mean? They start rehearsing in their mind the last 20 minutes. Like, oh, oh. Like, like, like I can't believe I said that. You know, like, so, but I have one young man. I've been playing basketball with him for about six years. And uh, in, in playing with, when playing basketball with him, we've built a relationship. He knows I'm a pastor. He also knows I don't judge him for where he is in life. I'm just trying to get him to where we're at. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We've been playing ball together for a while and we haven't quite connected because here's the deal. Sometimes church isn't what people want. 
So you got to figure out what it is in their life that they can connect with that can help bring them to a place where they recognize what they need. And so in this person's life, we were talking about music because he's a musician and God has blessed me to do some really great things when it comes to music and, and be a part of some great projects with some famous people and just all those things. And in the music world, I started talking to him about some of the things that we have here, some of the tools that we have here. And he was like, oh, man, I would love to see that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I said, why don't you come on a Sunday and afterwards I'll show you what we have. You can meet the people that run it and they can tell you all this stuff. He's like, that would be great. And I'm like, yeah, it would. He's coming because he thinks he's going to get to check out our keyboard station and some of the stuff we do back there. What he's going to get when he gets here is a whole lot of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Y'all with me? Like, but here's the deal. I can walk in with the turn or burn message or I can find his spiritual spot. Right? He, doesn't need, he, he wasn't looking for church but what he was looking for is something in his life that was connecting him to where he could go. And I figured out a way to bring it into the church. Yo, you're picking up what I'm throwing? Like, we need to find where people are, which number three, it takes us, kind of leads into the third one of this, is that we need to add value to them. One of the podcasts that I listen to a lot, I'm not going to advocate for it because I'm not telling you you should go listen to it. But the, he, the guy that runs the podcast, he uses a phrase a lot. It's called jab, 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 right hook. And what he means by that is if you're going to try to get something from someone, you need to give to them three times before you ask them to give to you. And here's what we, here's what we don't do well as believers. We know that what we have is something that they need, but we haven't figured out how to add value to their life before we ask them to step into ours. So here's what I suggest. Before you tell them that they're going to hell, <laughs> Before you introduce them to Jesus, before you do any of those things, take them to lunch and buy their food for them. Before you do any of that, tell them about some amazing things that could help change their life before you try to get them into yours. Add value to these people so that whenever you're offering something or you're going to ask them to come with you, they're already willing to say yes because you've given so much. Right? So the people, when I ask them to come to church, I don't ever ask them to come to church or come to be a part of anything. For example, the other day I asked a waitress to come to church, right? I was, she was waiting on our table. I said, girl, you need to come to our church. Like she was young. She was, I was like, you need to come to our church. You'll love it. But I didn't give her a $2 tip. Y'all feel me? Like I gave her a $10 tip on a $5 bill so that I was adding value to her so that she would listen if she came. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we feel like we want to skimp everybody around us, but then ask them to be a part of something. How about we add value to their life, then ask them to be a part of something, right? So let's add value to them. Turn to your neighbor and say value. Value, right? And we do that because people have needs. People have needs in their life, right? Let's, there's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And in that, they talk about three areas of needs. Now, there's specific needs in each area, but there's three areas of needs, right? And let's look at those real quick. Number one. There's the physiological needs. Physiological needs. What are those? Like the need to breathe. How many guys know if, like if we don't breathe, it's not going to end well for us? So we have the need to breathe. We have the need to drink water, to be hydrated. We have the need to eat. Come on, somebody. Y'all with me? Hey, yes, Lord. Okay, so anyway, so, but we have the need to eat, right? But then there's the next set. There's the love and affection needs, right? That every single person in our life, or every single person in here, needs to feel love and affection in their life. 
Now, it doesn't always have to be from a spouse, but we need some sort of affection, some sort of encouragement. We need friends to lift us up. Like, we need that in our life. Then third is a fulfillment need. The fulfillment need. There's the need to live a life that's fulfilled. And what, what people tend to think is that in many cases, we think that we can obtain enough things to be fulfilled. Like if I get enough money, if I get that job, if I get that career, if I buy that car, if I get this bigger house, then everything's going to get better. Can I tell you something? There are still millionaires that fight depression. Like getting things doesn't make us better and it doesn't make us feel better, right? And even if it does, it's temporary. You want to know what gives you the greatest fulfillment? And Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs studied over 100,000 people to find that the greatest fulfillment in anyone's life is to make a difference in someone else's life. So you want to feel, you want to feel that need to be fulfilled? You want to accomplish that? You're going to accomplish that when you start making a difference in someone else's life. So let's figure out a way to capitalize on our moment so that we can engage someone else. 1 Corinthians 3 through 6 says this, my work was to plant the seed in your hearts and Apollo's work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. So here's what our job is. Our job is to declare how good Jesus is to every person we come in contact with. Every person that we, we have moments that we, our life intersects with theirs, we talk about how good Jesus is. And in that, we're either going to plant seed or we're gonna water seed that someone else has planted but at the end of the day, it's up to God to make that thing grow. And so we rely on him. John 6, says that no one comes to the Father. No one comes to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them, which means it's on the Lord. It's his responsibility to get people saved. It's our responsibility to declare how good Jesus is so that they can hear the gospel, so they can put their faith in him. You guys with me today? Next is number one is our moment. Number two is our manner. Our manner. How many guys had a grandma or a mom said, mind your manners? You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Mind. And if you didn't, the wooden spoon comes out. Y'all, see, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all old enough. Some of y'all so young. Listen, a wooden spoon is a utensil they used to have in kitchens back in the numskit. No, some of y'all are like, what is a wooden spoon? Why would you use that? It's cooking. Don't worry about it. Some of y'all are never going to do it in your life. But anyway, so our manners. Our manners. So what do we mean by that? Our manner. The way that we would describe something, right? Matthew 5, 13 through 14, this is out of the message translation. So this is a, a, a uh, kind of a translation, uh, an improv of the Bible. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out God flavors of this earth. Now talking about God's seasoning, right? We need to be salt. Anybody's ever heard the term that we need, we need to be salt and light is what the Bible says, Right? Now, how many of you guys have ever had food without salt and it's like super bland? Y'all know how many? We had a debate last night. It was a very heated discussion. I'm letting y'all know right now. It was heated about who in Pensacola has the best French fries, okay? Now, some of us were on the Whataburger team. Where are my Whataburger people at? Whataburger French fries? Chick-fil-A, the waffle fries, there we go, yeah, see, I see him. There, see people perking up right now. Don't worry, they're closed on Sundays. You ain't got to be in a hurry, all right? And those are God's calories, so it doesn't con against you on your diet. Y'all know what I'm talking? Anyway, so, 
But what we decided was Whataburger doesn't have the best fries. They have the best ketchup. Come on, somebody. See, it's not the fries. It's the ketchup. You can dip anything in there and it'll taste good. Flip flops, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. So, but all that to say, some of us have had food before and there was no salt on it and it it was bland. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Let's keep going. It also says that uh, in verse 14, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Now, many of you, you know Jesus. He's in your life. You're saved. But how many guys remember a time that even, even though you were saved, you knew you weren't really doing well? Y'all know what I'm talking about? How you, you knew you belonged to Jesus, but things in your life were messed up and you weren't doing. And how many guys remember that it felt like things were missing? Like it felt like life was dull. The colors weren't bright. The salt wasn't there. Like you felt like you were living, but you weren't living life. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When we're in tune with what God wants to do in our life, it's almost like we get to come alive again. But when we're stepping out of what God wants to do in our life, things feel purposeless. Maybe our faith is assured. We know we're going to heaven because we put our faith in Jesus. We believe that he, he did on the cross, that he died for our sins. We're good there, but maybe we're just not doing well. And when we're not doing well, how many guys noticed that Colors, like life doesn't seem as bright or it doesn't seem as flavor. Like it feels like something's missing. What's missing is that hope that being in tune with what God wants to do in your life is, being, is your purpose is being fulfilled in that. You with me? So we need to be the salt and the light of the world so that we can bring flavor and we can bring power into the world that only Jesus can bring. We need to bring hope to people that don't have hope. Because I don't know about you, life can get bad sometimes, but knowing that Jesus is there is always an encouragement. But can you imagine people whose life is going through what we're going through, but they don't have the hope that comes from Jesus? How bad could they really be doing? So let's introduce them to the one that gives hope so that they can see their life turn around too. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about? So let's do that. So it keeps on going. Matthew 5, 16 says this. Jumping over to the NIV, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So check it, guys. We need to do good deeds while we preach the good news. How many of y'all grew up in church and y'all know some Christians that you don't ever want to hang out with. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like how many, how many, I grew up in church where people were saved and they were also mean as a snake. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, how do you speak in tongues but you speak like evil in English? Like, so, so some of y'all, okay, everyone in y'all's life is good. So the five of us know what we're talking about. Okay, we're going to hang out over here. How many of y'all know some Christians that need more of Jesus? Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, Why? Because they've got the good news, but they haven't got the good deeds. If we're not walking like Jesus, God forbid we should talk about him. Like our good works should accompany the good news. We should declare Jesus with our actions while we declare him with our mouths. Some of y'all have heard the phrase, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. It's always necessary to use words, but your actions better match them. And that's a us thing, not a y'all thing. Can we all get better at that? Come on, somebody. Because I know I have bad days sometimes. Some Christians say, with Jesus, you only have good days and better days. I'm like, you're a liar. Okay, I've had bad days. Y'all know, I know none of y'all do, but I do. So it is what it is. Y'all got to deal with me today. So, So let's talk about three ways that we can do this. Number one, we can make things better 
and brighter. Make things better and brighter. When you step on the scene, you should make things better and brighter. The other day, well, I said the other day, it's been like four months now. I was coming in with Sunday morning. I pick up the donuts for the dream team on Sunday morning. So like every, every Sunday morning, our dream team has donuts waiting for them. If you want donuts, join the dream team. Some people are like, why are you bribing people? If you're asking if I'm bribing people, yes, I absolutely am. If you want donuts, come join the dream team, okay? But so I pick up donuts every morning. Well, I told Christina, who was our TC Kids uh, coordinator, I said, uh, her kids asked me one time, will you get us special donuts? I said yes, because I figured there was no way next week they would remember that I said yes. How wrong I was, okay? Some of y'all that have kids know exactly what I'm, surely this five, six, and seven-year-olds are going to forget about these donuts. Wrong. They can't make their beds, but they remember donuts from a month ago, okay? So I finally was like, I got the donuts on the way in the door, and so I, was walk, I walked in, and uh, because I bought a dozen there's only four of them. I bought a dozen. Don't judge me, okay? You don't go to the donut store and get three. Who does that, right? They, they make the, do, the dozen box for a reason. So I got the dozen. They were all chocolate covered with sprinkles. And so because the kids wanted, that's what they, like, they put in their custom order. Essentially, they all wanted chocolate covered with sprinkles. So I give them that. But then I was walking through the hallway on the way up here, just giving out donuts to everyone I could find. Like people on the dream team. People were smiling yes, or last week when I was walking through that I didn't even know had teeth because they never smile. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like people were smiling that I was like, oh, you know how to do that. That's awesome. I didn't even know you know how to, why? Because I was walking in making the day better and brighter just because I had some donuts. I challenge you with this. T tomorrow on the way to work, number one, be on time. Okay. Like, come on. <laughs> but when you get there, come in with a dozen Krispy Kremes. That'll change someone's world. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Hot pillow, hot pillowies of glazed goodness. Anyway, so. Like walk in, just ha let everyone be looking forward to the moment you walk in the door at work. What we can't be as Christians is the ones that everyone dreads when they walk in the door at work. Make everyone's day better and brighter. Matter of fact, y'all saw it on the way in. See, y'all get, get to see things before it's supposed to happen. But today, I figured we'd, it's been so hot. How many of y'all know it's been hot? It's been hot, almost hot as two hells outside. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like it's hot. So... It's been so hot. I was like, I called Justin yesterday, Pastor Justin yesterday. I said, listen, bro, we're getting the Kona ice truck there tomorrow. So today your day is going to be better and brighter because y'all get snow cones on the way home. Okay. So congratulations. Y'all can get some cherry flavored ice before y'all leave, but eat it quick. Otherwise you'll be drinking Kool-Aid before the day's out. Okay. So, but why? Because how many, how, just now, how many, like you guys get free snow cones. Some of y'all got them on the way in. How, how many of you, when you saw that, your day got better and brighter right then? You're like, oh man, this is, yeah, man, this is awesome. This is what I'm talking about. Why? Because it, like, it's something, it's just something to change the atmosphere. You can do that on your job tomorrow. Be, make things better and brighter. Number two, step into their world. Step into their world. Before you try to bring them into yours, you step into theirs. Go to lunch with them. Learn what they're dealing with. Know their kids' names. Step into their world. And then number three, show them unconditional love. Show them unconditional love. Oftentimes, we judge people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Like we don't want to show them love because of something they did wrong to us, but we're not going to talk about all the wrong things we did to them. 
Oh, I know it's quiet in here. I said, sometimes we need to recognize that we don't get to walk around like we don't do wrong things. The people that need Jesus, those are the people that have probably done you dirty last week. They probably did something to hurt you at work a month ago. They probably didn't come through like they promised you they were going to come through. But if they still need Jesus, they still need Jesus. It's still on you to deliver that. We can't judge people and figure out who needs the gospel based on our own discretion. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all know if we were God, there's some people that just wouldn't make the cut. Y'all know, come on, be honest. <laughs> some of y'all got a cousin right now you can think of like, mm, sorry, you just ain't getting in. Like, I remember what you did when we was five. You're not getting in. I don't know what to tell you. You took my fudge pop. Anyway, so we have to show unconditional love to them. 1 Corinthians 9, 22 says this. It says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save them. In other words, we don't look for the thing that separates us because how many guys know there's plenty of things that separate us? You could put me in a room with me, and we'll find something to disagree about. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so there are always going to be people in our life that we disagree with, that, man, that we can, we can find different political things. We can find all kinds of stuff that separate us. We need to be looking for things that we can agree on so that that can allow us to have a conversation. We look for common ground. So Paul is talking here saying, I try to find things in common with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him after we have declared the good news, right? And so we've got our moment, we've got, um, sorry, we've got our moment, our manner, and then number three, we've got our message, our message. Folks, can I tell you something today? Your message is the greatest message to the world right now. Our message is the hope to the world right now. Second Timothy 2, 23 through 25 says this, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. I'm going to say that one more time for those of you with a Facebook and Twitter account, okay? Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. Listen, it doesn't do you any good to get on Facebook and talk about your political agenda. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, how many of y'all remember the quote from a few months back where we talked about arguments on social media is like playing chess with a pigeon? All they're going to do is crap on the board and strut around like they won anyways. <laughs> like, it's pointless. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, it's pointless. Don't get involved in all of that. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. It must not, we don't get in fights. We must be kind to everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say Kind. Okay, we want to make sure y'all picking that word up. Kind to everyone, right? Let's keep going. It says, be able to teach and be patient. I promise it's coming. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth, right? Why? The next one, it says, perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Listen, it's never on you to change people's minds. It's only on you to introduce them to Jesus. Your political agenda doesn't matter. Who you believe is the best point guard in the NBA doesn't matter. Like, let's be kind to everyone and introduce them to Jesus. 
my personal opinion about whatever it is the world is fired up about today doesn't matter in light of introducing them to Christ. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Why? Because God will change their heart. And when, things, and when it comes to righteousness and things that are right or wrong, he'll change their heart. First Peter 3, 15 and 16 says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. People come to us all the time. Pastor Brad, how do you guys, how, how do you guys in the midst of all the things you're going on, I had someone the other day, doesn't know who I am, doesn't know me from Adam. And it's like, but he found out I was a pastor. He said, oh, you don't have any problems in life. I said, I want to punch you right now. Now, if you're new, you can check out some of our old stuff. And my, me and my family have had quite the, quite the last five years have been pretty difficult. Even before that, it's been rough. My family's gone through some, a tragedy lately where we lost our son who went home to be with the Lord. So people have been coming to us. They're saying, Pastor, like, Pastor Brad, how, where, where do you get this hope from? Like, how can you even still smile? How can, how can you even stand up there and talk about how good God is when the areas of your life that you, that you were really praying or hoping for, he didn't come through? Guys, we have to give an answer to everyone about the reason for the hope that we have. Because God doesn't give us sometimes what we look for on earth doesn't mean that he's not still God. Your bitterness about areas of your life that you wish were different doesn't stop him from still being God. And let me tell you this, every area of your life that you wish had gone differently up until this point, don't compare to the goodness that Jesus brought to you on the cross. So all of those things are like what Paul called light momentary afflictions. In other words, they're minimal in the scope of eternity that's available to us because Jesus saw it fit to give us grace. When Jesus went to the cross with his arms spread wide, he said, I'm gonna show you how much I love you. And when he died in our place, he took our spot on the cross. He died so that we wouldn't have to die in eternal death. And when he did that, he showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Romans says, he died for us. So why do we have hope? And I have hope because even though life may not go the way I want it to, even though God may not always answer every prayer the way I want him to, my hope sits on the fact that he loved me so much that when I breathe my last breath here, I breathe my first in heaven and everything gets to be made brand new. Now that, my friends, is the hope we get to carry to a world that without him, this world is it for them. But Jesus gets to transform all things. We wanna give you the three things, the three things that you can do. Number one, you can share the hope that we have. We share the hope that we have. What is our hope? Our hope is that this world is not our home and whatever happens on this earth is not the end. I got to sit behind the bedside of a buddy of mine from a long time ago named Brandon, who just passed away this week. In his late 20s, went home to be with the Lord from cancer. I can look at God and say, that doesn't make sense to me. Late 20s, three kids, and you chose to take them home. But you know what? That's not up to me to figure out. What I know, when I walked into that room and I talked to him for the last time, I said, take your last breath here. Take your first in heaven and you go be with him. 
But that's the hope that we have, folks. That it doesn't matter how good or bad things get here, they don't compare to how great things will be when we get there. So let's introduce hope to them. So share the hope that we have that Jesus gets to make all things brand new. Number two, share my church. How many guys grew up, some of y'all grew up in church like me, where you were never, ever, 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 I'm gonna add one more, ever gonna invite your friends to church. How many of y'all, were, how many of y'all grew up in that? Right, right. You didn't know what was going to pop off on a Sunday morning, right? Like you just don't, who's going to hit the floor, what you got to dodge this week. You don't know who's throwing what, waving what, something, you know, like it, that's how we grew up in church. I'm not, I wasn't bringing my friends to church. Here's what I can promise you. You can bring your friends here because it's not going to be weird and spooky. It's going to be all about Jesus and seeing them get introduced to the savior, the hope that comes from him. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So feel free. I encourage you, you take your faith to them and you talk about how good Jesus is and you shoulder the weight of the responsibility to introduce them to Jesus. But if you can't, if for whatever reason, you know, you're not ready or you fail, or you feel like you just can't do it, get them here and we'll do it for you. But together, let's see your lost friends, your lost family, your lost neighbors, your lost coworkers. Let's see them come to put their faith in Jesus by introducing them to the savior that died for them, amen? Because lastly, what we need to do is share Christ. Share Christ, share Jesus and all the good things that he did for them. All the things he made available to them. Let's introduce them to a loving savior. Can we do that today? Can we search our hearts, search our minds and commit to ourselves and to God? God, I'm gonna look for intersections this week, this month. I'm gonna look for people that you've destined for me to talk to about how good you are. I'm gonna capitalize on the moment. I'm gonna be aware of my manner, right? And I'm gonna declare with my message that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. There's a hope that comes from Jesus. Let's introduce people to it. Amen, can we do that today? Awesome, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that God, you saw it fit that where we were, God, you saw fit to extend grace to us. God, we may not be where we wanna be, but we're not where we could be had you not saw fit to give us grace and mercy, to open our eyes to the good news that Jesus, when he went to the cross, paid for our sins. And when he paid for our sins, God, we repented, but we got to put our faith in you. And as we did that, our eternity became secure in you. God, we thank you that you transformed our life. God, we thank you that, God, where we could be going is now not where we are, but where we're about to go is bigger, it's better, it's greater than anything we could think or imagine. God, your word says that you came that we would have life. And right there, it's talking about eternal life. So you came that we would have eternal life, but then it says that we would have life more abundantly. And that's that this life on this earth, where we are today, we could have an abundance of you in our current life as we look forward to the day that we have an eternity with you in our eternal life. And so God, we thank you that what you've given to us, you've now challenged us to go and give it to others. We thank you in Jesus' name. If you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I hear you today, but I don't have the good news in my life to take to someone else. In my heart, in my world and in my life, Jesus is not at the center. But today I recognize that that needs to change. He's, he's doing something in my heart, right? He's doing something in my spirit. I, I can feel that 
there's something in me that doesn't know God the way I need to. Today, I wanna give my life to him. And if that's you today with every head bowed and your eyes closed, no one's looking at you, but we are here for you. Just like we talked about earlier, the beauty of the gospel is that when Jesus went to the cross, he died so that you could live. And when he gave his life on the cross, he paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay for them for eternity. And today the Bible says, all you have to do is repent of your sins, which means to turn away, never to go back to them. But then we put our faith in Jesus that when he went to the cross, he paid for my sins. And if that's you today, you're saying, that's it, Pastor. I wanna repent of my sins. I wanna turn away from them. And I wanna turn towards Jesus today. I wanna give him my everything. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you today. And if if that's you today, you want a fresh start. You want a new start. You want the hope of Jesus to give you new life and to breathe new life into you. Would you raise your hand right where you sit? Say, that's me, Pastor. I want Jesus to give me a brand new start. God bless you. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. God bless you. Like I said, we're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna point you out. We wanna pray for you today. Maybe you're watching us online and you say, that's me, Pastor. I wanna give my heart to Jesus. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer together and the whole church is gonna pray it with you so you're not praying it by yourself. But if you put that faith in Jesus in your heart, you're saved today. But let's put a prayer to our actions and let's declare that we're putting our faith in him. So church, let's pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I believe in you and I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus name, amen, amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the very first time. We celebrate with you.